rutabagas and cabbages. Unique New York. Unique New York. Standard New York. <laughs> Synecdoche. New York. Schenectady, New York. Copland. Copland. Philip Ray Liotta. <laughs> Ray Liotta. Stallone. De Niro. Um, couple of Michael Rappaport. Robert Patrick. Akira Takarada. I was just listing off the cast of Copland. Um, Akira Takarada. Akira Kurosawa. Akira Taco Yasujiro Bell. Yasujiro Okero Taco Bell. <laughs> now Shimizu. Yasujiro Shimizu. Yeah. Yeah. Pan fried sausage. Pam Greer with the sausage. The Pam cast. That's the next one. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Godzilla Pod War Hour. My name is Michael Kelly. With us, as always, Mr. Nathan Bear. Hi, Mike. I am Reaganomically happy to be here today to talk about Godzilla 1984. Yes. And, uh,. <laughs> Also, yes, we have yet another special guest host, a uh, dear friend of the program and a longtime supporter. And uh, now she is she's here to share her thoughts on what may very well be her favorite Godzilla film, certainly one of mine, uh, Jessica Sabo. Jessica. Yes, I'm very excited to be here. I told you since the beginning, like I've just been waiting for this moment and very excited. Yes, as Nathan mentioned we will be discussing both the return of Godzilla, also just known as Godzilla in Japan, um, and then re-released as Godzilla 1985 yeah. in America in the year 1985. Yeah. Definitely one of my favorites of all time. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, Definitely um, I believe this kind of started the gritty reboot franchise. I mean... Really before this, you don't think too much about gritty reboots, but this is a gritty reboot, mm -hmm. and it pretty much everything you see now from Man of Steel uh, or better films like Batman, Batman Begins, yeah, Batman yeah. Begins, you know, uh, gritty reboot. You know, you see, you know, the the really dark blacks, the uh, characters with questionable motives, et cetera, and so forth. This is all. I mean, I, I think this actually starts this all off. Yeah. Uh, I agree 100%. I mean, Godzilla was definitely a staple in, like, my household. You know, we watched the first one all the time, but I would say, like, 1985, was we watched that dozens upon dozens of times. Because while the other movies are fun and everything else, like, we just want to see Godzilla destroy shit. You know, just yep. take down buildings, like, shooting lasers at him, like, no care in the world. Like, that's what we love to see. You know, just just absolutely love the tone of this movie, and 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 you know, think it was executed um, basically as as well as you possibly could make a, a traditional man in suit Godzilla film mm -hmm. uh, with modern filming techniques. Um, well, modern for nineteen eighty five, <laughs> which was thirty years ago. This is nineteen eighty four. This has been nine years since the last Godzilla movie, Terror of Mechagodzilla. Um, Star Wars has come out, um, that rewrote everything we know about special effects, like what people will accept, uh, visually what people will pay for in a movie. Um, so it's no surprise that, you know, once this comes out, you know, everybody's game has to change. You've got, uh, you know, in Japan, uh, things like Gundam, you know, trying to find a way to 
reach this science fiction crowd um, in an economically yet fascinating uh, way. Right. So trying trying to trying to fill that need. Right. So and you do you know, Terror of Mechagodzilla, nineteen seventy five. And Star Wars comes out in 1977, and you do almost feel as though the franchise and the character was sort of hiding under a rock or something, and, and just like the studio was just like, it, it took them 10 years to figure out how are we going to bring this back and make it uh, viable yeah. in a post-Star Wars world, mm-hmm. you know? And, I, you know, I, I think they to the best of their ability, they, they achieved something. I mean, I was, when I was watching this as a kid, I, I didn't see a, cause I was certainly watching empire strikes back, yeah. you know, every day <laughs> and, uh, in films like that. And I would, you know, watch this right next to it. And then wouldn't be some huge, it, it wasn't like there was some huge drop in quality where it was like, Oh, well this is ridiculous. But you know, yeah. return of the Jedi is amazing. They, they basically stood on, even enough ground yeah. where they could get, you know, they could get away with it. Um, and just to even say that is obviously everything had to be hauled over and, and, and rejuvenated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a decade is a long time. Yeah. Um, there was some new blood involved. Uh, it was directed by uh, Koji Hashimoto, who had only made one other film. Uh, Bye Bye Jupiter mm-hmm. was the name of it. And uh, it was a sort of a space epic. It looks much in the vein of Alien or Aliens, maybe even sort of pre-guessing uh, at the pulse rifles, uh, yeah. maybe from Aliens. That would be made three years uh, afterward. And we're not saying that James Cameron stole <laughs> the pulse rifles uh, from this Japanese movie from 1983. But uh, James Cameron stole the pulse rifles from this <laughs> Japanese movie made in 1983. <laughs> Thank you. That feels good to get that out. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, and I think, you know, Hashimoto, he took one look at like Terror of Mecha Godzilla and these other films, and he, he saw one option, and that was to play it deadly serious. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's what he did, and he didn't look back. And, you know, the, the concept is fun enough where you don't have to play it for laughs. You can just sort of play it out, and it's sort of an inherently not comedic but it's it's just it's fun when you do it right it's fun you look at something like dr strange love okay which sometimes the original godzilla from 1954 is compared to and there are certainly elements of both films where it's like you know the characters are hoisting themselves by their own petard they're bringing uh, almost comedically they're bringing upon their own annihilation nuclear annihilation specifically you could tie a direct link to the events in this movie where you know at one point it looks like godzilla is dead yeah. you know mm-hmm. and they kind of it seems as though they've they've killed him but all of this other nonsense about the star wars you know uh, now we're talking about the missile defense program yeah. platform mm-hmm. star wars and uh you know the soviet union and the cold war and all of this other shit sets off the nuclear bombs and and brings Godzilla back to life, you know, and yeah. it's all, it almost is comedic where it's yeah. like, shit, he was dead. And it's like, no, all these, you know, automatic safety measures and things. Mm-hmm. So, and, and again, tapping into like just the insanity of, yeah. of nuclear war, 
Which yeah. is what, guess what? That's what Godzilla should be about. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That's um, what he originally be, was intended right, to be. Right, right. It should be about, you know, this is this is crazy. Why would you ever need to make something like a nuclear bomb? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 and going with that. So, like, you know, definitely love the tone there. Uh, musically speaking, Mr. Ifukube uh, sat this one out. And you know what? I think we got a Rijiro... Koruku, uh, who stepped in, and this was his only score for the series, yeah. and this is one of my favorite scores for the series. Very Most well definitely. done. Um, you know, it may be some, some of the pieces in it, such as the Super X theme, Godzilla's main theme, some of the best pieces of music in the whole series. When it came out, it was criticized uh, because it sounded too American. Um, th- th- I mean, that's what the critics said. Mm-hmm. They said it sounded too reminiscent of John Williams, maybe from the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark period and and things, stuff from the very early 80s and late 70s. And what my retort to that criticism is, uh, so you're saying that the music sounds too much like Raiders of the Lost <laughs> Ark and that is a bad thing? <laughs> you know, like what I don't, you know, that's like saying that, oh, you know, in this psychological thriller the cinematography looks too much like the movie zodiac yeah yes so this movie's garbage like wait no that's good like that means it's really good cinematography Mm. like so anyways i I love the music from this film and of course it's never revisited in any of the subsequent sequels which pisses me off to no end it's kind of hinted at in the biolant in godzilla versus biolante but um, which is also has a really good score, but I I don't think it's used appropriately. But we'll get into that next week. Right. But it's this is uh, you know this is it, and there is a little bit of the Ifuku Bay score. There's a couple of the repetitions of the dum 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 dum. You know the classic. Uh, you know the three note progression there. But that's it. Mm-hmm. Everything else is new. Everything else is bold new direction. You know. Uh, I'd say instead of New Coke versus Coca-Cola Classic, this is more like Coca-Cola and Mexican Cola. It tastes <laughs> similar, but it's just, it's got something a little different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, As I was telling you when we were watching it, you know, I, it had been over 10 years since I'd seen this movie, but as soon as it started and the score, like, kicked in, and, and which set the tone for the whole movie, it's just like, this is going to be dark, it's nothing like the Godzilla's you've seen for, like, the past, you know, 20 years, like... You know, as soon as it came on, I started getting, like, the chills again, like I did when I was, like, 10. Like, oh, okay, this is going to set the groundwork. Things are going to get crazy. Um, and, yeah, just, I, I love the score. It made me really upset when uh, you had told me that he, he'd received such criticism for it. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, n- knocked it out of the park. And, you know, we're, we're moving into the 80s and then into the 90s now, and... I mean, musically, I just wanted to say that, look, it's good to try new things. It's good to, it's good to update things. And, and, and this is a, a, a shining example of that, where sometimes you need to kind of put the past away and try something different. And, yeah. and that's what they did, and it matches with the new tone, and they, they both go hand in hand. And um, This is what George Lucas has needed to do for the yeah. past 20 <laughs> years. Yes. Um, um, now, uh, a quick note, yeah. I, I mentioned last week um, what most of us believe, and that is Terror of Mechagodzilla is the last of the Showa series. 
But for this movie, that is technically incorrect, because Emperor Showa, or Hirohito, was still alive. He did not die until 1989, and Emperor Heisei did not uh, become the reigning uh, emperor until 1989. So, really, this is the Heisei series film that is technically not part... In fact, that isn't part of the Heisei series, but because it began what they know in Japan as the Versus series... Uh, it's still considered part of that group. So what you're saying is, is that it's part of the Heisei series, even though uh, Showa was still the emperor, and it's part of the Versus series, even though he doesn't fight anyone. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really the best of both, uh, if you can call some. <laughs> um, just real quick, the um, the budget was... Around six million two hundred and fifty-five thousand adjusted uh, American dollars, if, if you translate it from yen to dollars, and its gross was around eleven million, which is certainly over eleven times larger than the gross for terror of Mechagodzilla, yeah. <laughs> uh, which was less than a million. That's math. Thank you, public <laughs> schools. Um, there are several hilarious uh, changes between the American and Japanese versions, which we will get into in a moment. Oh, yes. <laughs> but um, I will briefly mention that this film is not available in the United States in anything other than a VHS tape yeah. from 1986 or whatever from New World uh, Media. So uh, please, Scream Factory, if you're listening, or anyone... Like, please, just give us a special edition Blu-ray of Godzilla 1985. It's yeah. been 30 years. Just do it. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he, he just looks mean in this one. <laughs> and he's got a opposable upper lip. Yes, that, he, that he has a nice. quiver. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so also... During the making of the film, we have some major suit suitimation uh, things here. Yes, they tried to up the ante by making a 20-foot-tall, what they refer to as the Cybot Godzilla. So it was a, a robot Godzilla who was, you know, uh, an eighth to scale or whatever. And he's used for a lot of the scenes where, you know, he's... His lip is articulated and his mm. head is completely moving around and his neck is moving and stuff. Things you couldn't really do with a suit. Um, so Similarly, it parallels the original Godzilla, who was, in fact, several different, right. you know, mechanisms. A right. man in a suit, uh, a hand puppet, a mechanical, you know, um, half-mechanical puppet at right. one point, and then just, like, a pair of legs. Also, for this, they... F uh, built a full-size foot. Right, right. That, that yeah. they used... Uh, in the American version, you only see it one time where it's actually used to crush a bunch of cars where Godzilla is attacking uh, the nuclear power plant. Or so I have heard that mm -hmm. is the, the full-size one. It may still be a model. Um, it certainly looks very convincing in that shot. And in the other shots, in the um, Japanese version, it looks just really fake. <laughs> so, uh, actually a good idea to, right. to cut that out. But, um, anyways, trying some new things and, and that's good. You know, creation 
is 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 difficult but at the end sometimes you get something unique and and amazing like um the return of Godzilla or as it is known in the states Godzilla 1985 Big P of Big G. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we start off depending on either, if you're watching the Japanese version, there's a uh, volcanic eruption over the opening uh, titles uh, and, the, and the accompanying score. Or if you're watching the American version, you just sort of get this uh, sort of almost homage to the opening credits of the thing, where the credits are kind of burning off, mm. like the the word Godzilla is is burning the shape, and it's just ah, oh, it's so cool. Both are worthy enough to send like shivers down your spine. Yeah. I mean, it's just you you get so into it from the get go. This is the mission statement that we're not fucking around this time. You know, um, pants are down. We're not. We're not. Members la- are out. We're not lazily showing you know stock footage from Destroy All Monsters this time. Yeah. You know? We actually went back to the drawing board. So um, yeah, and immediately. In a very cool cut. Um, you, you cut to the uh, Yahatma Maru uh, sea vessel, um, which is in the middle of this hellacious storm. And um, I'm pretty sure it's a model, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's extremely, yes. con- it's just, you know, it's very well done. And, um, you know, it's very hard to do miniatures effects with water. And, yeah. and you know, again, very convincingly done, and, and you know, there's been some some leaps in the special effects. You can tell immediately in that first shot. Um, we have a, a crew comprised of a bunch of people who are about to get killed, <laughs> and also Hiroshi uh, Akumura, uh, who is played by Shin 
uh, Takuma. Um, so yes, we, we see a little bit of the storm and, um, you know, they are adrift and then all of a sudden off the starboard bow, they sort of look out the window and see this, what appears to be this island or this volcanic rock that's starts to explode. Um, but it does so in sort of a kind of a haunting way. And, and you, you hear the, the newly renovated Godzilla roar under it. And everyone in, in the theater knows what's going down, but no one on the boat apparently yeah. uh, knows what's happening. Uh, we cut to the next day where uh, sort of our lead uh, for the film, Goro uh, Makai, uh, is, is on his shipping vessel. Uh, in a scene not too uh, sort of reminiscent of of the beginning of Matango, <laughs> I just wanted to mention Matango there. Um, but anyways, he stumbles upon the wreck of of uh, the Yahamaru, and um, it's it's it, it you know again in the first ten minutes of this movie, the thing is is directly referenced again, like John Carpenter's the thing this time, because he, it's sort of like discovering the Norwegian base. And by the way, it's that fucked up. Yeah. This, this scene yeah. is fucked yeah. up. Like, because people have died uh, terribly. <laughs> um, there's corpses strewn about, okay, and they lo- it looks like this thing has been at sea for like two or three months or so. Like yeah. Something bad has happened, mm-hmm. and I think what's happened is maybe the radiation coming off of Godzilla has mutated them or something. Yeah. Or, or, or you know, prematurely decomposed their bodies. I don't know. But anyways, uh, Goro is sort of investigating the, the wreck, and again, there's bodies lying on beds, there's bodies look like, with like broken pieces of oars and stuff, and there's just blood and axes embedded into walls, and like... There's this viscous, uh, creamy discharge on the floor that he trips on, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's extremely upsetting, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then yeah, the uh, the locker door opens up, and um, Goro finds Hiroshi and uh, finds that he's alive. Mm-hmm. And in the Japanese version, takes his wallet out of his uh, pants and then looks at the nice picture of him and his sister. Yeah. Uh, and then is attacked by a giant sea louse. Yeah. Uh, which. Hiroshi, Goro, it looks like Goro's about to be killed by the sea louse, and uh, Hiroshi saves him at the last second, with again, with a meat cleaver, in the most disturbing yeah. way possible, you yeah. know. by cutting the string that the louse was flying with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the first example of, of a, uh, you know, one of the kind of a smart cuts in the, in the American release, because this uh, giant sea louse fight between Goro and the, and the sea louse uh, is like a minute long in the mm. Japanese version, and it it shows the sea louse in not the sea louse doesn't exactly look like a, a product of the Jim Henson workshop. You know, he <laughs> looks pretty fake, but at least in the American version, it's over and done with pretty quick, and yeah. and, and and better for it. Yeah, yeah. You know, the scene's more shocking. It's like what am, what is happening? Whereas in the Japanese version, it's it's like the, it's, the tension yeah. is there from the beginning. Right, you know that there is something coming up behind him. He doesn't know it. Right. The problem is when it attacks him in the Japanese version. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like oh. Uh, oh, okay. okay. Yeah. yeah, it was the one shot where you know you first see the creature kind of coming down. It's like little tentacle arms. It kind of was reminiscent of like the face hugger shot in like the original yeah. Alien mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, and yeah, that thing gave me nightmares for God knows how many years. And, and it looks like a hand, mm-hmm. you know. And so when you're first seeing that, you're like, is that like some like hand of a monster or what is right, happening? Exactly. 
Um, but no, um, Hiroshi kills kills it in the nick of time, saving Goro's life. Um, and then they are both rescued by uh, the uh, Marine Service or maritime, some, some maritime, uh, yeah, yeah, maritime, maritime defense salvage force, defense yeah. force guys. They're out there spotting tuna fish with Kubayashi's grandson, maybe. Yeah. Um, hey, guys, there's a boat! <laughs> there's a boat and there's people on it! Had to bring back a Kubayashi reference <laughs> from uh, Raids again. Anyways, so yes, um, you know, we now split in a couple of different directions. Uh, Hiroshi is sort of debriefed by uh, a, a series of officials in the Japanese version. He talks to the police, the military, and people from the government... Um, in the American version, it basically he he talks to Goro and he he s- describes that he saw Godzilla mm-hmm. come out of this mountain, and uh, it cuts immediately to the Prime Minister of Japan, who in this movie is played by an actor who in a previous film uh, choked a Bond girl to death during hot sex. Ah, mm. uh, so seeing him as a dignified <laughs> politician is uh, <laughs> quite a change. <laughs> Um, and, you know, he's revealed as the prime minister is just looking out the window in the Diet building, building and just saying, Godzilla, you know, that's a name I never thought I'd hear again, you mm-hmm. know, denoting that a, all the Godzilla films betwixt this and the original are negated now. Yes. So we have the first official continuity reset of the series. Yeah. It will not be the last. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this was more appropriate than in some of the other films where they just kind of forgot about <laughs> things happening. Be like, oh my goodness, a giant monster. We've never seen one of these before. What is this big lizard? Why, why is he fighting this other big thing? Like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, a, a smart a smart idea, you know, to kind of... They do this in comic books all the time, too. They, they do the reboot, you know, to mm. cut off all the, all the continuity issues. So, um... Yeah, it's 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 decided that Goro wants to report this story, um, but the government won't allow him because, uh, logically enough, it'll set off a panic, mm-hmm. and they don't want the you know in the Japanese version they go into explicit detail about how exactly that will happen, talking mm-hmm. about well they'll lose faith in the cabinet and like the prime minister will lose power and the stock market will plummet and you know all the transportation systems will crash basically everything that happened in Godzilla versus Monster Zero right that yeah. that that yeah. is going to happen but in in the american version they're just like we don't want to set off a panic or whatever <laughs> you know so it's like you know they they kind of straight into the point straight into the straight into the point um so anyways there's sort of an interesting here scene. Goro finds out um, his his editor directs him to a, a professor uh, named Hayashida, whose uh, parents were killed by Godzilla in 1954. And while he is talking to Hayashida, who has some interesting theories of his own about Godzilla, uh, he happens to notice uh, Hayashida's assistant uh, Naoko, who he uh, puts together. Now, in the American version, he puts it together for absolutely no reason yeah. that uh, his sister, he is the sister to uh, Hiroshi, mm-hmm. uh, the survivor from, from the boat. Uh, but in the Japanese version, it actually makes sense because, again, he took that picture out of his wallet and saw, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Neiko 
you know, waving and, mm-hmm. and in the picture with uh, with uh, Hiroshi. So, like, basically, um, he introduces himself. Goro introduces himself to Neko and um, basically uh, tells her without telling her that her brother is alive. He survived the shipwreck and he's in the hospital. Mm. And she is very thankful for this. And she goes and uh, she has a warming, uh, you know, reunion with her brother and, and all as well in the American version. Right. In the Japanese version, the same scene happens. Uh, but then Goro and his sort of uh, comedic sidekick uh, break down the door. And the sidekick is a photographer, <laughs> also from the same newspaper. And they are taking pictures to get the, the scoop uh, of this of this reunion of the brother and sister. Uh, and you can see Goro is not particularly proud of himself, but he's a little bit kind of like, yeah, I got the scoop, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and he sort of makes eye contact with Hiroshi Leiko. It's clear that, you know, he's just used both of them. And it's, <laughs> it instantly makes the scene and all the characters more interesting. <laughs> And uh, gives them more, you know, they're sort of like, wait a minute, can we trust this guy? And it just gives it this glint of, you know, kind of uh, something's happening here or whatever. And none of that is in the American version. That's mm-hmm. all cut out, um, which is kind of a shame. It's, cause it's a cool little character beat before things um, slip into full gear. This is when uh, Russian Will Ferrell comes on the scene. <laughs> oh, yes. There's a uh, submarine. Uh, it's uh, doing its submarine things and uh, uh, it is discovered that there is a large object on the sonar. Uh, it can't be a whale, according to the captain, because whales do not appear on sonar. I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> that that doesn't sound right. Um, <laughs> and mind you, this is the Japanese with English subtitles, not right. the, the dubbed version. So but in is... the dubbed version... Um... Yeah, they. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna so, say. They, 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 so, so they decided to. So the the captain uh, immediately figuring out that this is not a whale, but possibly a American submarine. So he decides that the best thing to do is to attack it and then die. <laughs> so he fires two torpedoes at it, which we never see. Uh, then they dive. Uh, and then they find out that uh, this thing is on top of them. Uh, and then it explodes. There's just you know, lots of Russian people going, ah, ah, you know, Nostrovia, um, you know, with, <laughs> saying Russian things. Um, you know, and then there's a big explosion. Yeah. It's a really cool scene in the, um, the Japanese version. It is, there's no music yeah. in the first part of it. And then at the end, there's sort of a, sort of a, kind of a cool cue. Um, in the New World pictures uh, cut, which New World um, presented it in, a, you know, in partnership with Dr. Pepper, yeah, <laughs> um, they put in some music from another one of their films from 1985 called Deathcon Four. That score was by a person by the name of Christopher Young or Christopher Beck. I'm not quite sure, but either way, that is, you know. That's a score from a totally different movie over the first part of the submarine uh, sequence, but very effective, yeah. you know, and you'd never tell. And sounds in line with, uh, you know, um, what uh, Karuko is doing, so musically. So I, I never noticed a difference as a kid, but yeah, 
um, the, the sub gets destroyed. And now the Japanese government feels it is time to tell the truth that Godzilla is back because well because the Soviets right. think that uh, their sub was attacked by an American sub and uh, with this still being the Cold War uh, tensions are very high so uh, the immediate thing to do is to uh, go on a nuclear standoff with the United States Japan being caught in the middle knows the truth but And it's at this point that they realize they have to tell the truth or else they're going to be facing obliteration on a scale bigger than Godzilla. Right. Uh, remember, when the first Godzilla movie came out, the idea of M-I-A, or sorry, M... Mad. M, M yeah, M-A-D, Mutual Assured Destruction, wasn't... That was not present at the time. The idea is if a nuclear bomb went off, you could still duck and cover, you know, I, I mean, there, there was still, while, there, while the really smart people knew that was bullshit, there was still this idea that you could survive a nuclear catastrophe if the proper steps were taken. Right. At this point... It's known as a placebo. Yeah. At, at this point, not all that is bullshit, you know, right. that, that everyone knows that the bombs are just too big now, you, you can't survive. Right. You know, once this happens... It's gone. And so the Japanese government tell, is forced to tell them the truth. Yeah. And ironically, setting them... They, they have not evaded uh, the nuclear catastrophe. Uh, in fact, they have refocused it back onto themselves because mm -hmm. now they have to hold this cabinet meeting uh, with representatives from both Russia and America wherein the those two countries are pleading with the Japanese prime minister... Look, we're going to use if Godzilla makes landfall in Tokyo, we're going to nuke Tokyo. Yeah. You know, like we cannot allow um Godzilla to survive period. Mm -hmm. And the Russian um representative is very clear that if Godzilla somehow attacks Japan and destroys Japan, his next course of action logically would be uh, some base uh, or in Flotty Vosta. Uh, <clears throat> and Flotty Vosta is where the Russians keep all of their nuclear weapons. Yeah. So if Godzilla attacks Flotty Vosta, he could potentially, and this is uh, in the Japanese version, he could potentially set off a nuclear explosion that could, you know, wipe out planet wide. So it's like, we have to, like, this is our one shot, basically. If Godzilla shows up in Tokyo, we are using nukes on him. Yeah. And, um,. And, of course, the prime minister, you know, through some deliberation says, look, we can't allow it. It's more destructive than the monster himself. You know, you have to have faith in the Japanese to, to solve this problem. And we can't condone the use of nuclear weapons. And if you use them on us, it's an act of war in and of itself. Yeah. Um, so, so cool yeah. ideas. <laughs> they, what we're trying to say is not talking about King Caesar and or Camacris or Minya. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. actual actual real science fiction and, and ideas. Yeah. So now that the uh, political uh, die has been uh, thrown, the Americans back off. Uh, the Russians are still not not so uh, keen on the backy off the ah, uh, which is an actual Russian phrase. <laughs> uh, I'll have you know. <laughs> back uh, off of itch. Back off of itch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it depends on what version you are watching. Yeah. <laughs> At this point. Um, one of the key changes to the narrative of the film, depending on if you're watching the uh, Japanese version, 
or the American version. In the Japanese version, uh, a Russian officer goes to a uh, vessel that is located... You mean a vessel? A vessel <laughs> located in Tokyo Bay, mm-hmm. uh, where there is an automatic nuclear launch system that they just keep in Tokyo just in case. <laughs> Commies. And, and he, he comes in and an ensign asks him, what is he doing? And he says... Look, we've got the, the, you know, the prime minister said we can't use this, so I'm turning off the automatic system mm. or, or whatever, and you know, we're turning off the new capabilities of this vessel. Mm. And that's the Japanese version. Yes. In the American version, he says the exact opposite. Mm. He says, I don't care what the prime minister says, you know, the leaders in Russia saying that the nuke has to be on the table, so you know, we are setting up this remote launch site here in Tokyo <laughs> Bay and I'm turning the key now to arm it. <laughs> so like the exact opposite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God bless you, Roger Corbin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't I I think Corbin had something to do with this. Yeah. Let, let's he, just assume he, Roger yeah, Corbin or someone yeah. trained by him had something yeah. to do. It was New World Pictures. Yeah. So anyways Amazing call on the American distributors' part. Just like, fuck you. <laughs> Just like the Russians are the bad guys. It's, you know, this is 85. This is the same year that Rocky fought Drago and Stallone single-handedly, you know, won Vietnam yeah. in Rambo 2. Uh, so uh, if you'll notice, Rocky and Stallone are two different people in that example. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so, yeah, like, that's that's crazy. But anyways, uh there's a delightful montage of the self-defense force doing important-looking things. Yeah, dropping sonar buoys. <laughs> dropping uh, sonar buoys. You know, en- enough to make uh, Tom Clancy proud. Um, yes. Because, you know, if there had been, you know, two less sonar buoys, yes. it wouldn't have been, you know, uh, uh, of his caliber. 22-year-old Michael Bay was watching this at the time and saying, ah, yes, we need, uh, I like this montage of all this military shit happening. But it, it doesn't mean more anything. more aircraft carriers. Yeah. It needs five <laughs> aircraft carriers, Tracking. three of which need to turn over with all their, right. you know, contents spilling into the water because we have five virgins behind computers eating espresso beans who can make that possible <laughs> um lay off people who eat espresso beans uh. <laughs> anyways um so yes the uh now we go back to the characters yes. there is basically Godzilla shows up at a nuclear power facility and uh the way he does is amazing yeah. we get we get a, a the first POV shot of Godzilla, maybe ever, or maybe there've been others, but I can't remember. Um, but it's done in such a cool way. It's revealed yeah. through the clouds where you see, you know, the, 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 the nuclear powered plant down below and there's this spooky music and like, you know, there's just mood. Yeah. You can hear the stomping. Yeah. The ground cracks. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, yeah, Godzilla shows up at this nuclear power plant, and a, a guy kind of walks out. The ground breaks in half. He stumbles. He looks up, and we have a tracking shot all the way up, and the guy is, is Godzilla, and he is immediately trampled to death and killed. And that's like, that's great because like it's it's right then again the you know the resetting of of the priorities or, or what this monster is here to do. He's here to kill innocent people. Yes, <laughs> and this is the the thirty minute mark in the movie right. that we finally get to see Godzilla's face. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
And he looks more like the pissed off slash tired <laughs> cat, cat look from like Mothra versus Godzilla. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, which is great. Yeah. As you opposed know? to in the early 90s where he starts to look like an angry cat in a hat. Yeah. <laughs> He's got this like bubble, the, that bubble upper lip, you uh, know, where, where his whiskers should come out. Yeah. Yeah. So this is before all that. Um, Godzilla has been resting for 30 years and he. It, you can tell because he he lays waste to this nuclear power plant with with glee and and avarice and bravado. You know he he does like a karate chop almost to this smokestack. It's mm-hmm. it's great stuff. Um, and, he, and he pulls out the core, the whole yeah. core. Just he was that hungry. He <laughs> needed it. it. It's like a a veal cutlet. Uh, <laughs> um, Professor Hayashida shows up. With uh, Hiroshi and uh, Goro in tow, and they take some video footage of this. Um, they also notice that Godzilla is draining all of the energy out of the, uh, the reactor <laughs> through a extraordinarily conveniently located uh, nuclear nuclear power reactor monitor that mm-hmm. uh, Professor Hayashida just happens to to have access to as all traditional professors in this uh series have you know the, the convenience of the technology because when you're just a professor you know when you don't have a specific doctorate in any specific field of expertise you're just the professor the all-knowing well, i can cure cancer i also well can make what you have to understand he's, robots he, yeah he's he's uh he was promoted because he used to be a police officer but after he saved a certain princess mm. back in Ghidorah, this is of course uh yosuke uh not natsuki Mm-hmm. Uh, coming back, so there's a lot of casting of actors from the previous films, yes. and that's really cool. Um, so yes, they take footage of Godzilla. Uh, the beast is distracted by a flock of birds. It 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 grabs his attention, and he throws down the nuclear reactor. Luckily, it doesn't go critical and mm-hmm. wipe out the whole island. And he walks away, following uh, following the birds that. They later put together that Godzilla is somehow connected with the birds, that he... he magnetic. Magnetic, because um, birds follow the magnetic poles. That's how they travel. That's how they know where... That, that's how they know where to go. So, apparently, Godzilla follows these same patterns when he migrates to, you know, for the summer. Right. Uh, <laughs> the point is, you now have a... Um, a nonsense science fiction thing for the human hero characters to be working on, being like, ah, now we could, you know, we could potentially save Japan from Godzilla if, you know, we can use this this bit of knowledge to our to our gain. Meanwhile, cut back to the cabinet where they're thinking of new ways to stop Godzilla, and uh, they 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 tell the prime minister, well. Uh, we weren't going to tell you about this till now, but uh, you know, since since a big monster has appeared, we can tell you about Super X. Yes, or as they say in Japanese, Super X. Yes, uh, he's equipped with a number of missiles and rockets. One of the varieties of which is uh, cadmium missiles, which mm-hmm. uh, they don't go over this at all in the American version, but in the Japanese version, they say it's specifically cadmium because cadmium is used in the sealing of silos that are used in the production of nuclear uh, missiles. 
So it actually is used to seal in nuclear energy. So it's something that is somehow can pierce uh, something like that or, or withstand it. I don't know, but they, they think it's a good match because basically, as Professor Hayashida says, Godzilla is essentially a living nuclear reactor. Mm. So uh, cadmium missiles seem like a good bet, um, but the Prime Minister okays the plan of both the Super X and uh, the uh, bird call distraction uh, plot, which now involves uh, the detonation of uh, the Mount Mahara uh, volcano as well to possibly trap Godzilla at the end. So we now have two backup pl um, plans yes. to stop him. Um, at this point, you know, things really shift into high gear. Godzilla is uh, spotted in Tokyo Bay. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, they order an evacuation, a uh, few montage of people running, uh, hiding, getting on bullet trains, trampling over children, you know, e everything Eisenstein taught us about how to make a movie is done to a T here, uh, <laughs> yeah. cranked to 11. Um, so the army comes in, they bring in their big missiles, their big guns, you know, everything we liked about the other ones, but this time it's 80s style. Right. So sleek cinematography, gritty. You there, know. there are a couple of sound design callbacks. When mm -hmm. one of the large missiles launches at Godzilla, it does make the same exact noise of the Frontier missile mm -hmm. from uh, Mothra versus Godzilla. It's a great scene because it shows just how foolish it is to try to fight him with these weapons. Yeah. Because, you know... He comes aground. First, it's the planes. He dispatches them with his fire breath. He walks up to the bay, and you have tanks. You have these, you know, trucks with, like, rockets. You've got just these giant missile cruisers, and they unload everything they have. He, Godzilla's barely phased, and he literally just wipes them off the face of the earth with the fire breath. It's an extremely spectacular uh, shot and, and, you know, amazing, amazing stuff. And they're all dead. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he proceeds to go into downtown Tokyo, <laughs> um, where he makes a mess out of things. Yeah. Uh, and also ruins the dinner of a certain tramp uh, who, be who becomes a pivotal uh, later in the plot. I'm pretty sure he is, uh, due to the, the hats, uh, and other, uh, accoutrements that uh, he carries. I'm pretty sure that he is actually a mockery of a character known as Torasan from, uh, Surgico Studios, uh, who was in a record 48 films. So that's just about double the Godzilla films. With the same actor. So imagine Akira Takarada in every single Godzilla film from here to the Brian Cranston <laughs> yeah. version. And, uh, it, you know, and again, it's like there's there's new ideas in yeah. this movie. There's there's things that haven't been explored in the other films. Like we're, we're seeing this bum go through an abandoned restaurant, like super high class restaurant yeah. and get all this food. You've never seen anything like this in another Godzilla movie where it's like, you know, if you're going to make another film, you have to have new ideas yeah. in it. You have to have new things. You can't just retread the same old thing over and over again. And, and show it, the effects. Right. And it's it's really 
smart and it's really funny. You know, it's comedy relief right when things are starting to look kind of bleak. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really cool. Um, also, Goro and all of our, basically our main human characters are in Tokyo at this point. The professor and the others are, are working on, um, they almost have the uh, the signal, as it were, perfected to mm-hmm. distract Godzilla. In fact, Godzilla walks by their building and they, uh, in a very suicidal fashion, turn it on and, and yeah. try to get Godzilla's attention. <laughs> you, you would think that that would be the last thing they would right. want to do, would be like, hey, we're in a big building right next to his right. head, <laughs> let's... Right. Let's practice right now. Um, luckily, they are saved. Uh, the signal works perfectly. And now it's, you've got the ticking clock of, okay, you have to get them out of there. Also, it should be mentioned that when Godzilla was attacking Tokyo Bay and wiping out the uh, Japanese defense force, he also bullseyed the uh, ship that had the nuclear remote launch capability, uh, hot-wiring it, and now setting off um, an automatic uh, launching mechanism. Uh, and in the American version, the uh, the wounded captain guy is trying to get into the room through sort of the wedge shut door, you know, and he's all bloodied and he's saying, I have to fire that missile. Yeah. And in the <laughs> Japanese version, he's saying, I have to shut, shut off, off that missile. missile. <laughs> so, so, again, totally flopping it, you know. Yeah. But uh, the countdown says, like, three minutes? 30 minutes. Oh, 30 minutes. Yeah, 30 okay, minutes. good. Because that didn't or make at least any in, sense. In the Japanese version, it's 30 minutes. I don't remember what it was in the American version. I saw. I thought but it said three minutes. Three minutes. And I was going to be like, well, that's... Because, uh, like, 15 minutes of, of stuff happens. Yeah. There. But, like... Uh, so, yes... So so now, like the you know, in a traditional you know Hollywood script, you know the stakes are raised. Right. So now you've got Godzilla and a nuclear bomb. You know, two really bad things on its way. The the casualty list, you know, could go <laughs> astronomical at this right. point. Right. So now they have to deal with the fact that not only is there a big lizard on the loose, there is a nuclear bomb on its way to uh, one of uh, Tokyo's districts. So, uh, with that being said, uh, Super X arrives and begins to uh, play with Godzilla. It shoots a, it shoots a flare in the air, and then while Godzilla is roaring at the flare, it shoots Godzilla in the mouth with the, uh, what was it? Cadmium missiles. Cadmium missiles. So, after doing that a good few times, uh, Godzilla, you know, stumbles and falls to the ground, and everybody says, oh, hey... He's dead. Let's go look. Let's, let's investigate. Get, yeah, let's get closer. <laughs> Again, a new idea. Yeah. Something that has not been done before in the 15 previous movies. You know, let's let's get like a couple thousand people to come up and, you know, investigate Godzilla's presumably, allegedly, dead body. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just uh, cool. Yeah, you, yeah, you've never seen that in another Godzilla movie. So, like... It, um, the prime minister finds out that the missile has been launched and, uh, they contact the Americans because they have no missiles to fire it, to, to counterattack or to neutralize the, the missile themselves. Mm. So they contact the United States and the United States, uh, agrees to, um, launch their own, uh, missile to take out that missile. 
So now you've got two nukes headed towards Tokyo and Godzilla. <laughs> uh, so you're really hoping that, you know, the, the one nuke neutralizes the other or else they'll pass each other by in space and both land in Tokyo. You're hoping Godzilla will wake up, <laughs> blow them both up, and then have a heart attack and die. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the last plan, you know. So in the meantime... Um, Hiroshi shows up with a helicopter because they are now trapped. The, the, the leads are now trapped in this building. Uh, he manages to rescue Professor Hayashida uh, with a sort of a repelling, uh, spelunking... Uh, what Does he use a it? fire hose? No. Well, this is the, the in the helicopter. Oh, the helicopter. Yeah, yeah they, uh, they get a wire. They, yeah, they, they blow wire. open the glass and then they shoot a wire. Yeah. And then they... Uh, Pick him up with the because it's got the vest attached to it, right? Yeah, the harness, the harness, the harness thing where you have Arr. to keep you have to keep your uh, shoulders engaged or you will fall to your death. Yeah. <laughs> um, he gets Hayashida out of there, so now we have our our nuclear uh, a platonic, unfortunately, couple of Goro and Nako are the only ones left, and they are in the building. But the helicopter has to take off because Tokyo is now the most dangerous city on the planet. <laughs> So, uh, you know, Professor and the uh, magic bullet in tow, they head off to uh, the volcano to uh, set up the the final stage of the plan. And hopefully, you know, because the Professor is never convinced that Godzilla is dead. No, Um, he he knows. He he knows. He knows what he seems to be the only person who actually understands like Godzilla and knows what they're dealing with. Um, So, yes, the uh, the nukes hit um, the, each other. The, the, the United States uh, nuke hits the Russian uh, nuke, and they are both neutralized. They explode uh, approximately 70 kilometers above Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And it turns everything into what we know as a super 1980s mode is attained. So the sky turns pink, yeah. and you have this digital sort of uh, synth music this happens in Akira as well when they, they, they destroy the Seoul laser satellite, you yeah. know, and you have this sort of like, you know, kind of kind of cool reflexive moment in all the uh, all the chaos and, and it's just sort of a, a moment to breathe. It's known as pacing. It's known as mood. It's known as filmmaking. You will never see this in a Michael Bay film. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, but what you know it. Uh, Lightning strikes. Setting off two fucking nuclear bombs 70 miles above Godzilla uh, brings him back to life. (laughs) And, and, uh, you know, in the Japanese version, all the people have come up and sort of started climbing onto his body. Not a smart idea, but I think if you have the entire population of Tokyo, Japan, which, keep in mind, is essentially a country unto itself because it's so fucking big. I spent six days there myself, and I saw about 25% of it. One city, mind you. Uh, so, yes, they they are climbing on his body, and the the two nukes revive Godzilla. He stands up. And immediately chases all of them off. And it's actually horrific and mm-hmm. kind of scary the way a horror movie with a monster should be. Yeah. Uh, Super X, you know, they're literally drinking champagne because they're like, yeah, you know. 
It's a good thing we brought this here, because, you know, normally drinking and driving is a bad thing, but, you know, since we took down Godzilla, it's absolutely okay. Lighting each other's cigars and so forth, and uh, Godzilla, you know, is alive. Like, some guy's like, oh my god, Godzilla is alive inside the Super X, and he's like, what? He's like, we're out of cadmium missiles, so they decide to throw the everything in the kitchen sink uh, thing at them. At the same time, Goro and Nako are trying to make their way out of this destroyed building, but um, the the stairwell is 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 has been uh, destroyed, caved in by Godzilla's tail. So they have to get help from uh, Toro-san. Toro-san, yeah. who you mentioned <laughs> earlier, star of his own forty-eight film franchise. They have to get him to uh, hold a hose steady, so they can rappel down, spelunk down. And, um, yeah, so they are free of the building, getting out of there. Um, in the meantime, the Super X, and this is some, a neat trick of the script, because, you know, okay, yes, it is just just Godzilla this yeah. time out, but Super X is basically the monster he's fighting in yeah. this one. Because mm-hmm. they, they kind of have their cake and eat it, too, because yeah. Super X is dishing out as much punishment as Mechagodzilla did. Yeah. You know, he's, like, shooting lasers and missiles and all this other stuff. So you know they sort of they they kind of pull a fast one uh, there where it's like he's basically fighting Super X as as, as an equal yeah um, until he pushes a fucking building onto it yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's like my favorite part of any Godzilla movie you know just like <laughs> so great like fifth dimensional thinking it's right, just like right. well I could shoot or I could just push the building. Right, right, right. <laughs> It's just like, ah, big fucking building, my one weakness. <laughs> right, right. And, like, the the look on Godzilla's face <laughs> after he does it, where he's just like, yeah, I just I just did murder. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? <laughs> Nothing. Because I'm Godzilla. He immediately kills the uh, the homeless guy at this point. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> He becomes like Jason in a Friday the 13th movie. He starts seeking out all the characters, and, and uh, it's really cool. You've got this great shot of, of him running away from Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is his name? Torasan? Yeah, that, 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 or at least the character he looks like. Right. He, he looks like Torasan. So, so, yeah. so Godzilla decides to smite Torasan now. Because uh, he's homeless and does not fit he's in, in this Reaganomics future. It's part of the Tokyo's urban renewal plan. <laughs> and um, so Godzilla, you know, the one sort of kind of funny comic relief character, Godzilla immediately seeks in and murders him. <laughs> Uh, which is, again, sort of the dark tone and kind of darkly, you know, like, hey, guess what? Godzilla kills people. <laughs> um, and he's about to step on uh, Goro and Neko when Hayashida gets the uh, the bird call <laughs> working. Yeah. And, and, and Godzilla turns around and, and goes um, back into the sea towards the island. Goro and Neko make a beeline somehow... To a helicopter, because they're they just can, everywhere. Right, right. Yeah. Where they can, it's the eighties. Right, where they can witness the the end of of, of the film. 
um, which or, is... Yeah, they, uh, well, Godzilla walks up the mountain and uh, they maneuver it so he falls into a volcano. <laughs> you know, the first one, the first Godzilla movie, it's just like, well, I have this special thing called the Oxygen Destroyer and only this could defeat Godzilla. This is just very straight and to the point. It's like with Super X. I'm just going to push a big fucking building on you. <laughs> we're going right. to end this. So the humans, thus, it's all about the parallel. So the humans right. are like, all right, we're just going to push you into a big fucking volcano. Right. Okay, <laughs> we don't have time for, we don't have time for science. We, we just need to push you in a big volcano. Right. And, and Hayashida also says that he does not believe this, even this will kill Godzilla. Yeah. So submerging him in liquid hot magma is not <laughs> going to, he's like, you know, um, that's just, it'll make him, he'll sleep for a while. Yeah. You know, I'm trying, just trying to send him home. Yeah. Whatever that means. So like, but he, he, he never thinks it's actually going to kill him. And why would he? Cause yeah. it's Godzilla. Um, well, I was wondering too. So, because I've only seen the American version and the Japanese version, is it that scene as emotional in the American one? Because I know, like, it has like the prime minister crying when Godzilla is falling in. He has like this high pitched like scream. Yeah, it yeah. was kind of terrifying. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, the, it was the same in I think the or even nineteen fifty four. It's that this is a terrible being, but this is a being of. You know, it, he's it's, innocent. Yeah, yeah, it's just you know you you have to put him down because mm. he's killing right people. So it's this uh, bit, there's a bittersweetness mm. uh, to it. Or as the it, Japanese, it's the say, same thing <laughs> with like King Kong. Yeah, like King Kong, you know, like we've grown to love King Kong, but he has to die yeah. because mm. he is in the middle of New York City and people are just getting killed left and right yeah. and you don't want him to die, but it makes logical sense that he has to die. Same thing with Super 8. The Super 8 monster, well, you know, a great guy and, uh, you know... You are spoiling. I haven't even seen <laughs> Super oh, no. 8 yet. You are You've had four years. <laughs> when were you going to watch Super 8? It was on my Netflix <laughs> So naturally, never. That was... <laughs> Alright, well, maybe I have spoiled it, and maybe I haven't. And maybe I don't like Super 8, because they fucking chicken out. <laughs> this podcast is not about Super 8. It's about Godzilla 1985, where they make the right decision and kill the monster, okay? Because you have to, because he's a fucking monster, yes. alright? And uh, he's not a good guy. He's not Earth's trusted friend and protector. He's a giant animal, and he has to go down. You know, that's how you do it. That's, yeah. And that's the end of it. And yeah. also, Raymond Burr is in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I was yeah. going to say, why haven't yeah, we haven't mentioned on that? Yeah. So, in the American <laughs> version, uh, just like in the original <laughs> Japanese version, they cut in bits of Raymond Burr. Now, Raymond Burr has changed significantly in 30 years. Yes. Um, he actually got a cr his career moving. Uh, he was in several, you know, Oscar-worthy films. He was in uh, Perry Mason. He was in Rear Window. Yeah. And he was in Ironside. So he a good thing going on. And then they ask him to come back. And at this point, he is a full Orson Welles larger. Right. Uh, you know, just, uh, you know, just, it's just sad. It's just, you know. The... They, they pay him in stuffed slices from Sabaro. <laughs> just... And Dr. Pepper. And Dr. And Dr. Pepper. Pepper. He's just like, hook it up to my veins. <laughs> Mr. Burr, you can't have Dr. Pepper directly in your bloodstream. Fool, I was Ironside. I solved crimes from a wheelchair. Smack. Um, so, yeah, I'm sorry. We completely forgot to mention that Raymond Burr comes back as yes. Steve Martin. But it's fine. But they can't call Steve Martin because in between the last, the, these Godzilla films, there actually is a comedian named Steve Martin. 
Clinton, who has risen to prominence. Maybe you've seen him on SNL. Uh, so they can only refer to him as Mr. Martin. You know, lest this overweight, yeah. <laughs> closeted man be confused for a gray-haired comedian. Paid in Stromboli. Uh, <laughs> Uh, okay. He is so big his blood type is ragu. Anyways, uh, uh, so he's crying pepperoni at the end. Damn it! No, I love Raymond Burr. Is great, great yeah, I, actor. And it's I, just... I love Godzilla 1985. A couple of highlights from the American inclusions, which make up less than ten minutes of content. Okay, so you've got a debriefing at the Pentagon where the Dr. Pepper uh, soda machines are are legion. Oh, they are front and center. Front and center, more illuminated than Raymond Burr. Uh, but that was probably to hide his excessive sloth-like girth. Anyways, they are reading off the anomalies during the Russian uh, sub-sequence of the film, and the one guy, the red-headed Pentagon guy, who I wanted to kill because he was so annoying, says something about premature volcanic eruptions. Hey, asshole, who are you to say when a volcano is going to erupt? <laughs> Number one. Number two, they say Godzilla attacks in 1956. I mean, maybe that's when King of the Monsters, I thought, came out, and maybe they're they're directly referencing that, yeah, I guess. Probably, yeah. But, yeah. but it, whatever. And, uh,. Number three, the guy in charge of the Pentagon who brings in Raymond Burr is wearing a towel for most of his scenes because he's taken off the golf course over what appears to be several hours. He never removes the towel from his shoulders <laughs> of of his uh, his blue um, polo shirt. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, too. yeah. Eighties style. Eighties style. Eighties style. Yeah. Whenever um, there's an important meeting, they're like holding up the Dr Pepper can logo again, like front and center. It's so great. Be like, ah, uh, you know, if there's only some way to, I've got it. Dr Pepper is the key to taking down Godzilla. It's a good thing we gave the Japanese. Dr. Pepper concussion missiles to shoot at his mouth. Well, the redheaded guy is drinking Dr. Pepper during, because they have a scene where they're sort of kind of uh, trucking across all of the lead American actors um, there because they're looking at the screen to see if the missiles are going to get neutralized. And the, the redhead uh, young man in the, in the Pentagon military outfit is drinking Dr. Pepper. So that is incredible mm-hmm. um, that that happened, that that was allowed to happen. Um, Synergy. But, but, you know, Raymond Burr does a fine job uh, in this. He doesn't phone it in. He's still trying. And um, Well, he adds dignity he to adds this. Dignity. Uh, he, he adds dignity to this series that uh, very few people have in the American cuts. And that's because he just... He, he he sells it. Yeah, he sells it. He knows how to do that. It's like Nick Adams. Right. You know, uh, he, he, he plays it how you should. Right. You know, with dignity. Uh, <laughs> um, and yes, so Raymond Burr in, in the American cut gives the sort of the final soliloquy where he, uh, he gives this speech where he equates Godzilla to a hurricane or a tornado. And, and he, he says Godzilla has to be dealt with as such. And the only real monsters are, are man, you know? yeah. um, which is pretty cool. Right. And, um, he says he's gone for now, but the lessons he's, he's taught us, um, remain. So um, he, he was also like one of the only voice of reasons in like the Pentagon too. Right. Like you know, for the Japanese side, like the professor's like he's not dead, you know. And so it's the same thing with uh, uh, you know uh, Raymond Burr. You know, he's just like he's just down for the count, but he'll be back. He will succeed. 
But of course, no one listens. Yeah, no one listens to Rios. It's like, <laughs> shut like, up, you expert that we brought in. It's just like when they pizza. bring in Sigourney Weaver and aliens. <laughs> yeah. Is like the expert or whatever. And everyone's like, aliens? Shut up. <laughs> Mr. Martin. What do you know about aliens? Mr. Martin, here's a Dr. Pepper, some Pizza Hut, and a copy of Playgirl, wink, wink. <laughs> just stay in the corner and leave us and let the big guys are talking. <laughs> Lean against this Dr. Pepper machine. And shut your mouth. <laughs> One thing I did like is when the the Pentagon like police basically came to his house. I guess his grandson was playing in the living room with oh, like, yeah. a Godzilla toy and like crushing the car. He was playing. Stuff. Yeah, he was yeah. playing with a transformer, <laughs> and it's not Grimlock like some people may think. This is actually sort of later in the toy line. I think this is Generation Four of Transformers. There was a separate Decepticon uh, transformer that looked like Godzilla. <laughs> My knowledge is encyclopedic and... Uh, Which concerning. I'm sure has, like, given Mr. Martin, you know, PTSD flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. every time his yeah, grandson... his grandson decides... is playing Godzilla. Yeah. And <laughs> just like, stop it! <laughs> <laughs> Cut that out! I told you to play with My Little Pony! <laughs> what are you doing? Watch Care Bears! <laughs> I told you to stop! <laughs> Look, Jem and the... Jem and the holograms are on television. Watch this. It's good for you. <laughs> Um, so yeah, our dear Fred Raymond <laughs> reprising his role as, as Dr. Steve Martin. Uh, so yeah, we, we, you know, we left that out because he affects the plot in no way, no. <laughs> uh, but he is located throughout the film. So this was never like one of my favorites, but after watching the Japanese version, I, I have a better appreciation for it. And I think just overall the experience of rewatching it gives uh, a new light to it because there are some things that I liked when I was a kid that I do like now. Uh, you know, I'm not even going to go into that. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's, you know, taste change. Uh, so you, and you appreciate things differently. Um, so yeah, so I think it's like Invasion of the Astro Monster. That was not, or Godzilla vs. Monster Zero. That really wasn't one of my top five Godzilla films first time, but like second time watching it around it was like oh this is great this is like steak yeah but for my eyes i think we can all agree that godzilla 1985 goes down like a refreshing smooth crisp can of dr pepper <laughs> my name is michael kelly you've been listening to nathan bear jessica sabo thank you for uh joining us on this fine fine evening a wonderful time yes you can catch up with us on web at yeah. uh <clears throat> well on our, our facebook page yeah. the godzilla pod war hour on facebook where uh, you can give us a like uh comment uh you know those things that uh, keep our ego yeah, boosted exactly. well boosted and well oiled massage my ego uh go on to the twitter account yes yes the, our, the twit our our twitter account is uh michael kelly at godzilla pod war we have a tumblr account and uh which we will add new things to eventually uh <laughs> doing during this new year uh, we're going to post one new thing up on the Tumblr account per year. Yeah. And uh, we also have a series of um, very uh, professional and, and cool and slick looking uh, advertisements that are now showing up on YouTube, produced by none other than my brother, Ben. And um, Ben, if you're listening, I love you. 
And uh, thank you for making them, and I do appreciate it. And everyone should watch them immediately because they are awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's basically it encapsulates the entire show in, in uh, one YouTube video. So yeah, so pretty uh, cool. Make sure to like that. Yeah, share it with watch your that. friends. Yeah, spread yeah, that's like that's like the, the taste of like yeah. you know the, to spread the word. Like you know, if they can't listen to an hour on, if they can't subscribe for free on iTunes. You know, they can watch that for uh, 90 seconds and yeah. that'll help them make up their minds. To... In, in between crunching numbers or performing, you know, uh, gastric bypass surgery, whatever, you know, your loved one's professional uh, workplace is, you know, find a way to introduce them to us. Yeah. Thank you for listening and spread the word and. Um, till next week. Till next week. Exactly. Till next week. And we do Godzilla vs. Biolante and everything fucking falls apart. <laughs> <laughs>